I want to talk to you about an extremely important topic this morning that was on my heart, been on my heart for many, many years. Um, and the title of the message is, I want to be remembered, I want to be remembered like Dorcas. I want to be remembered like Dorcas. Take your Bibles to Acts chapter 9 and verse 36 through 43. I've been having some, uh, I am getting better. For you that have been coming the last few weeks, know that I am getting better. My voice is getting better every week, but I'm not where I once was. We're coming back. Today, in some degree, will be a test of your faith in the Bible. When the Bible says something is better than what you presently are doing, it's a test of your faith. Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe it's true? If you, if you believe something, by the way, intellectual assent is not belief. I believe there was a person that existed in history called Jesus Christ, but that doesn't make him my Savior. A lot of people believe intellectually. It's called intellectual assent. That's that, that, that's that, and they don't. It doesn't change them. They don't adopt it. Real Bible faith adopts what it believes in and seeks to make what it believes in part of their life. You you, you get the difference. One intellectual faith just senses so they say okay it's so, but it doesn't change your life. Biblical faith believes it so, and it changes their life because they conform or change or morph or, as it says in Romans 12, transform. This, this verse behind me here, uh, Jesus' words, 1128, blessed are they that hear the word of God, and even that is a short of it, and keep it. It doesn't, even though the word of God's wonderful, if you played it 24-7, and you, I, have, I have the word of God in my truck, you know, at home, and you, the more you hear it, the wonder, but it doesn't do you any good if you don't internalize it. <clears throat> you with me? Real Bible faith internalizes what it says. And so today I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Some of you know, some of you already got this, I believe. But I, I know as, as far as I'm concerned, I want to be remembered like Dorcas, a personality in the New Testament, was remembered. Um, I think a changing process takes a while in the Bible. I think sometimes when you come across a truth in the Bible that challenges where you're at, in other words, you're not where it's at, and it says you need to be where it's at. The Bible says you need to be where I'm at, you know, where the book, where the book's at. And you say, well, I'm a long way from there. It takes, some, it takes some time. I know some things in my life, the transforming period to become like that and to adopt that took some, took some changing process. It's, uh, but I believe if you give it a serious shot, you remind yourself to obey and you believe what the Bible says, God then will come up under you and help you. <clears throat> Reminded me of the dad who had a demonically possessed boy disciples couldn't heal. 
And Jesus came to him and said, and the boy, the man in frustration just cried out, Lord. He said, will you believe? He says, well, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Come up under me. You know, I, I believe as much as I know to believe. I need your help to believe further. Help me. Well, I think we all need that in everything. We come in the, in the word of God. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Paul says, I've showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, many people who are not very well Bible-educated folks know that. How many, how many have heard that before? More blessed to give than receive. Amen? You can hold your hand up. Well, it's true. Jesus' words, quoted by Paul in the New Testament, it's better to give than to receive. People, I find, who are, what I may say, overvalue the material things of this world, can be tight-fisted about giving. Often, we call people like that stingy. Uh, We call them tight. We call them misers. Now, what I'm not talking about this morning is frugality, which is a good thing. Getting the best buy on something, shopping around and get the best buy, that's just wisdom. Uh, I'm not talking about being prudent with the use of your finances. I think that's absolutely, I was talking about, um, Kathy, were you in here? Kathy, in the service? Ned and Polly Lyon, right? How many in this room remember Ned and Polly Lyon? One, two, three. That's what it's down to, four, five, six, seven. Ned and Polly Lyon. Well, Ned, Ned Lyon was a, was a fairly wealthy man. Most people did not know that. His son uh, made the cover of Time Magazine for investments in New York. New York, you know, New York's the center of investment. Uh, the city of New York, and it's some big shot. He was some big shot in an investment firm uh, in New York, and he made the cover of Time Magazine. Now, I don't know. Anybody in here made the cover of Time Magazine? No, it's fairly rare. It's fairly rare to make the cover of a magazine. I haven't personally been on the cover of a magazine, but uh, probably won't. But his... Uh, his uh, boy made the cover magazine for his ability to know how to invest, I guess pretty much the way it was. So uh, Ned thought I needed some help. He felt like I was probably not a very good investor, which he's, he's right on that. So he called me over to his house, and he says, I'm going to have a mini seminar with you, and I'm going to teach you how to invest so that when you get old, you have something left for your retirement because he probably heard me saving to Paul that I'm never going to have anything left for my retirement because I spent it all now. So he said, now I want you to listen to me and just shut up. I said, okay. He said, uh, I want you to join an investment club where you don't have any, you don't pay any money getting in or getting out. You know, it's, it's five bucks or some sort of a deal getting in and getting out. You don't pay any money getting in and getting out. And he said, I want you to buy every week, I want you to buy a stock whether it be $5, 
Because, you know, you, you always want to cough up, I'm broke, I don't have any extra money, I can't, I can't. But you do. Quit drinking a Starbucks, God forbid. $5 coffee. My dad rolled over in his grave, he heard it was five bucks. So he said, uh, take $5 if that's all you got, but it would be better if you took 25 and buy a, a share or part of a share. You could buy part of a share, I guess, or something in McDonald's. This was uh, 30 years ago. And he said, buy a, a share or part of a share in Home Depot and buy part of a share. And he went into these blue ribbon, and we call them blue something, these, these companies that are, you know, are just a solid. And you're always going to need a Home Depot. And you're always going to need a McDonald's stock, you know, to keep you guys busy. But uh, we're always going to need a junk food place. And, you know, there are certain things in life, no matter whether we have recession or we have what, it's going to be there when all the dust settles because people got to have it. A women's shoe company. You're going to be there. Um, and so we said, buy stock in those, little by little. So on the way to church this morning, I know I'm going to preach on this. I've been thinking about this all week. And so I said, uh, I sure wish I would have followed his advice. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't do it. I bought depreciating items that are worthless now. I'll be on the corner out here on in front of the gospel with my little bucket during my retirement. I'm not going to put, we'll work for food. I'm going to put, I'm retired and don't have any money. Help me. I'm not talking about being frugal. I'm not talking about being prudent. Uh, I'm not, but I'm talking about being generous, the idea of generosity. And sometimes even being generous out of your necessary things. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2 and 3. I'm going to give a few passages here because we're Bible preaching church. He says, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty, their deep poverty, abounded in the riches of their liberality. What he's saying is poor people can give. He's saying you don't have to have extra money to give. People think to me, well, if I get everything satisfied, then I can be generous. No. He's talking about people who don't have the, even the necessary things satisfied. Deep poverty. Now, I've seen, I bet most of you have never seen deep poverty. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about seeing it on TV. I'm talking about smelling it and tasting it and being with it and around it. I've been in Haiti a number of times where there's deep, deep poverty. People starving to death. Kids with orange hair. Now, for a black kid, if he gets orange hair, he has a protein deficiency and his brain damage. Probably too late. I see a sea of little kids, little black kids with orange hair. Too late. Not enough protein in their diet when they needed it the first five years of life. And so I saw starvation and things like I'd never seen in America. Never, ever seen in America. I've seen some deep poverty. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. For it says, for to their power I bear record. Yea, and beyond their power, they were willing, 
of themselves basically to give. Uh, if you read the context, to give. So he said these people were willing to give out of their deep poverty. I have witnessed what the brother wrote there. And I'll go into that in a few minutes, give you some illustrations. So we're talking this morning about the spirit of giving, the spirit of giving. Now, I'm not trying to shake you down for money. Just get that out of your head. I'm trying to make sure that at the end of your life, there's something left. And I'm also trying to help you mentally and emotionally to have a good, joyful spirit because it's better to give than to receive. And when you give, you'll have a more joyful spirit. You'll have a happier outlook on life, and your mental illness will be minimal. You with me? I've been around a little mental illness. So take, take your Bible. Also, Acts chapter 9. We're, gonna, we're, we're just building our case here. Acts chapter 9, verse 36 to 43. This is our text, Acts chapter 9, 36, 43. Now there was at Joppa, I've been to Joppa, a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. I want you to underline that, mark that, somehow remember that phrase right there. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. Christians get sick and die. That's what happens. Whom once they had washed, they laid her up in an upper chamber. For as much as Lydia, Lydda, was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. So they, uh, this woman, Dorcas, died. People around were upset about it, of course. Heard Peter was pretty close, sent people to get him. Then Peter arose and went to them, and when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber where she was laid out. All the window, all the widows stood by him weeping and showing the baby blankets and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. I had to say that. That's not the baby blanket part's not in there. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. She gave her, and he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he called the saints and widows, presented her alive. What would I have loved to have been there for that? I bet they had a hoot nanny. <clears throat> It was known throughout all Joppa. Many believed in the Lord, and it came to pass. They tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon the Tanner. Now, just before you get overjoyed about her getting resurrected, she had to die again. Who wants to die twice in this room? Most of you don't want to die the first time. Amen. I don't blame you. I just preached on it. It's got horror and terror to it. It's a scary thing, dying is a scary thing. And nobody wants to die. First of all, nobody wants to die once. God forbid you got to die twice. But Lazarus got resurrected. Woohoo! But he got had to die again. Leave it to me to think about that. Dorcas got resurrected, but had to go, go through the process of 
getting sick and dying again. And so she probably thought, man, getting sick once was bad enough, but no. So what I like about this passage, and what I want to emphasize about this passage, was that little phrase about her reputation. She had a reputation. By the way, you have a reputation. You said nobody even knows me. They know you. More people know you, I say know about you, something about you than you even imagine. She was full of good works and alms days, which she did. That was her reputation, practice of life, if I may say, yea, her habit of life, which means she was always thinking of ways to help others around her. Oh, here's the, here's the, uh, here's the crux of it all. She was thinking of others' benefits as a thing that was, as Brother Nick, you should have never said this to me, but it was on her radar. Nick, one time, I, tr- I thought something was bothering him. He said, that's not even on my radar. And I never heard anybody say that. I thought, you're not even on your radar means he ain't even thinking about it. I thought, well, man, I like that phrase. Amen. When I do his funeral, I'll mention that. But she was not focused on her trouble. She was not focused on her situation. She was not focused on her pain. She was focused on other people. If I said nothing else this morning, then to be focused on other folks, it would be worth coming, I'm telling you. It's bigger than what it sounds. Thinking about yourself too much is defeating. It generates a pessimistic, narcissistic, mean, selfish person. Who wants to be that? It is the opposite of where God wants us. Matthew chapter 27, verse 42, preached a whole message on it. One of my favorite messages, by the way. Talks about Jesus. The Pharisees said he saved others. Himself he cannot save. In other words, Jesus, and I, I take that in a little different way maybe than what Jesus wasn't here to save himself. He was here to save me and you, others, Lord. Woo! Yeah! I don't want to be here for Bill Lytell. I want to be here for you. You with me? What if enough people get like that? Everybody looking around at how they can help everybody. We ought to be like that, brother. That's what he said there. That's what Jesus was like. You said, wait a minute. Be like Jesus would have. Well, I don't remember the words of the psalm. More like Jesus, would I be more of his love? That's, isn't that what, it, aren't we supposed to imitate Christ? Aren't we supposed to be like Jesus? Everybody goes, oh yeah, I want to be like Jesus. Do you really? Okay. Start loving other people. Philippians chapter two, verse four to five says, let not everyone, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now look at the next verse in context. This is the next verse. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What mind? Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. In context, 
He's saying, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, which then it goes on to describe his sacrifice for us in most eloquent way anywhere in the New Testament, verses 6 through 11. Uh, so we're basically to live for others. There's a little song, others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be that when I live for others, I might live like thee. Let me live from day to day in such a self-forgetting way that even when I kneel to pray, my prayer might be for others. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be. I hope your prayer don't consist of, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord. I hope it consists of, help others. A list of people. Oh, a long old, big old list of people that you want to ask God for. I have, you know, Rasmussen. Dr. Rasmussen has been here a couple of times. He teaches out the West Coast. I really don't know the man that well, but he has decided he's going to pray for me. And that's nice. And he, he texts me on Saturday when he prays for me. He said, preacher, I just finished praying for you. I want you to know I care about you. And I thought, man, now, that, now he's a busy man. He's running a college. He's got a team of kids he's out there on the road with right now. He's a busy man. He's teaching his courses at school. They keep him hopping. He's in his 60s. He wrote me a, a card the other day. Hand, everything he does is, by the way, handwritten. You, you computer write something that's worthless. Handwritten card that he signed. And it was a real sweet card about how, you know, uh, hope you're having a good vacation. It was when I was gone. And, you know, it's, uh, he cares about my vacation. And it convicted me some. It convicted me some. I thought, I, I need to be more like that. I need to have a little bit more concern about those folks around me. And I need to have more generosity. Uh, more others, Lord, yes, others. I find that people whose eyes are lifted up. On, you know what Jesus said? Lift up your eyes onto the fields. They're white unto harvest. What's that mean? If your eyes are up on the fields, they're definitely your eyes are not thinking about yourself. Are you with me? This is stupid simple. But if your eyes are on the fields, they're not on you. And if they're on the field, you know what happens when we concentrate on ourselves? We go downhill. Notice on every little wrong thing we got going on, oh, I got this, I got that, I got this, I got that. You know, if you got trouble, the best thing to do, grab a weed eater and go start eating weeds. Or, 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 or get out there and help somebody, bake some cookies for somebody or some, a cake for somebody or make a baby blanket for somebody. I know you wouldn't want my baby blanket, but uh, do something for somebody else. Focus on other folks. Uh, eyes are always to be lifted up on others. You're to be, if you want to be like Jesus, you got to care outside yourself. This Dorcas, she was a giving woman, a loving woman, and reaped most of the blessings of this attitude because the giver gets the most blessing. This is, a, this is wild. If you, want to, if you want the spirit of generosity, and, and to get it, you need just simply to ask God to help you have it. Let me have the spirit of generosity. I want it. I want to be like Dorcas. I want to have the reputation she had. And then God will create opportunities will come up in front of you to exercise your spirit of generosity. And your attitude will be looking for those opportunities uh, to help. 
and, and you will be the most blessed. I encourage people with some money that have, are going to leave it to their kids. Now, not everybody's got enough money to leave their kids, but if they, they, let's say people with some wealth and have a house to give their kids, they got some money in the bank, they're going to leave their kids. I encourage you to give it to them while they're alive. If you can afford to do that, cut some of that off and give it to them while they're alive. Why? So you can see it. So you can see it. Troy, I didn't do that to you because I don't have anything. But so, so, so you can see it. You can be blessed by it. Amen. I've seen people do that. I've seen people do that. Take some of their wealth and buy a house for their kid. Or take some of that wealth and, and, and bestow that. Now, I've also seen it backfire a little bit. I know one guy gave his kid a bunch of money and went out and bought a brand new car. He said, man, I didn't do that so he could buy a new car. I said, I know. But when you give something to somebody, you just got to let it go, amen. You just got to let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Don't look. I like to be like the Amish horse. Put the blinders on, you know, because they're not going to do things the way you think they should probably. But God give me the spirit of darkness. May my hands labor for others. May my focus be on others. May my passion be for others. Oh, my, my. So where will your, the question I asked this morning then is where will your focus in life be when it's all over? Because you are today what you have been becoming. I heard that somewhere. You are today what you have been becoming. So if you're generous today and generous tomorrow and generous the next day, pretty soon it will be something you have to do. You with me? It'd be like reading your Bible. Pretty soon you got to read it to be, it's like jogging. If you jog enough, pretty soon you got to jog to be happy. You, you got to exercise to be happy. It's crazy. You hate exercise when you start it, but when you get into it and a while it becomes a habit, you got to do it to be happy. That's kind of the spirit of generosity. The first few gifts you give away, you may, I could have used that. But no, you give it away by the grace of God. Some of the most generous people I have ever met are the poorest people. I'm going to go back to this deep poverty thing. I've been in Haiti a few times, four times. I went to Haiti, and, and old Serge took me up. I've told this story before. Took me up to this little, this little grass shack. It was about a 10-foot by 10-foot grass shack. It had a dirt floor. It was, it was dirty. I mean, you know, it's, it's dirty. They, they coat the inside with a mud that turns white. You guys from Haiti know what I'm talking about. It's that white stuff. You touch it, it's like white powder. And so you couldn't touch the walls. And, and you know, uh, she was in there sweeping the floor with a stick. She put some uh, hay on and tied it. They call it a broom. And so she was in there sweeping this dirt floor, which I thought was a little ironic, okay, uh, with this broom. but And she had uh, maybe two... Maybe one change of clothes. It's probably all she owned. One change of clothes she had on. One change of clothes she had on the cactus that were there. They lay them over the cactus. You guys know to dry. They lay those clothes over the cactus to dry. And Serge took me to this this woman's house, and we stopped. She wants. She says, "Oh, Pastor Serge, Pastor Serge. They know him. He's famous in the area. They know. Oh, Pastor Serge, please come in. Please come in. Oh, you have a guest from America. Oh, please come into my house." 
come into my house. So we walked in there, and, and uh, she says, wait, wait right here, wait right here. Well, it's hot. It's like a 99 degrees, and, and it, by, Haiti makes us look like we're cool in Florida. And so it's hot and humid, and we're, we're, I'm sweating more from everywhere. And we've been walking for a couple hours. And so we get into this room, and we're standing in this uh, little grass, and it's hot in there. And he says, well, we got to wait. I said, wait for what? What are we waiting for? He says, wait. So we waited. Where I'm sweating bugs on me and stuff like that. And so pretty soon she comes in with a glass about that tall, and it's got milk in it. And there's black things swirling around. There's just black things in it. You know what I mean? Like things swirling around in the milk. And she hands it to Serge. And I said, where'd this come? Now, she don't understand English, so I can talk to Serge straight up and down. I says, where'd this come from? He goes, she went, she has one goat, which you can milk once a day. And she went and milked that goat and put it in this glass for you. He said, now this is what got me. That's probably all she has to eat today. I grabbed the glass, and it was hot, warm goat's milk. If you ever had goat's milk, and I had, it stinks. Goat's milk stinks normal. It's just normal. It stinks. You've got to chill it down to 33 degrees to cut the smell and hold your nose, maybe down to breathe when you drink it. I used to milk my uncle's goats. I knew a little bit about it. And I said, preacher, I don't believe I can drink this without throwing up. He said, whatever happens, you drink this and you be grateful for it. I said, I want to be. I said, but you're going to drink half of it. Oh, he goes, I'll drink half. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I took that thing. I, I don't know. You don't know me well, but I'm a little funny about germs. <laughs> Have you ever seen the show Monk? I'm not a long way from the guy. And I took that thing up to my lips. And I said, Jesus, help me. I took that first big swig. Ha! goat smell and there were things in it that brushed along my throat I don't know what they were I'm still here and I took and I looked at the glass and there was one more swig for my half and I took that second swig man and I I smiling gave it to him because she's watching every move I make and I give it to Serge, you know. He just, he downed the whole thing. It was just normal for him. Oh, I said, Jesus, 
I've never seen this kind of generosity. I uh, arrived at Serge's house from America, and he showed me my bedroom. And the bedroom was a small little space, small as this, kind of concrete, CBS and concrete. That's unbelievable. No insulation. CBS concrete. And he said, this is your, and there was a bed there, a real bed, American bed. And he said, this is your bed, and it was like a queen-sized bed. I go, wow, this is a great place. Thank you for, this is a great place. What I didn't know was that was his bedroom. I found out that he and his wife slept on the concrete that night. There were no other mattresses. I, how do I know this? I got up, and he was sleeping on the concrete. This is the spirit I'm talking about. Out of your deep poverty... They gave. I subcontracted carpet for 17 years. I got into many, many rich homes. I've been in the most lavish. It always amazes me how people can lavish upon themselves. The stingiest people I've ever been around were rich people. Real rich people. Not think I'm rich. Real rich. The most generous people I've ever been around are the poorest people. Explain that to me, would you please? Explain that to me. What do riches do to you? What do riches do to you? What are they doing to you? Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. No wonder Jesus said it was so hard for rich people to enter into the kingdom of heaven. No wonder. We've had some sweet people around here with a spirit of giving. Ernie Leonard said he never knew anybody that was more generous than Bob Rose. Jim McCullum.
Don Woodard. Dick and Marge Carr. Harry and Naomi McKinney. And a whole cloud of witnesses that I've been able to be around. Why don't you determine that you're going to have what Dorcas has? It's up to you. It's up to you. Father, help us. I pray in Jesus' name, help us to get this. I'm not trying to tell people to give everything they got away. I'm just simply leaving that up to you on telling them what to do. But if they have the spirit of giving, then you'll show them what to do. Help us have that great spirit of generosity and believe Jesus' words. It's more blessed to give than receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.